I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Okay, there we go. You ready? Yeah. All right, what's up, Pels fans? Welcome to a very jubilant episode of The Bird Calls. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and the Pelicans are just one win away from the playoffs after last night's signature, thrilling, jaw-dropping, whatever kind of thing you want to call it. It was a win over the Warriors, and we're all reeling after last night's episode. But before we lose our collective minds, the Pelicans still have a lot of work to do, and today we are previewing the first step of that and what could be a potential playoff-clinching win over the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm so sorry for my enthusiasm, Robert. I know that you guys are having a tough time over there, but we're just not used to this. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. In New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> by the way, we are speaking with Robert Flom. You can follow him at Richie Homie Flom. He is the editor for Clips Nation SBN, and he also contributes to Blazers. Ed, you're a busy guy, Robert. Yeah, I, I do a fair amount of writing, but uh, it's been sad writing lately, so. <laughs> well, uh, if you are contributing to the Blazers, you do have a little bit to celebrate, but let's stick mm-hmm. to the Clippers right now. Uh, obviously, it's been six straight years for the playoffs that you guys have participated. What what was the energy like across your fan base yesterday when you lost to Denver? It was pretty bad, but I think we've all been expecting this for a while now, really it was just surprising that they were even in it this late, to be honest. I think Doc Rivers said as much in his kind of closing press conference yesterday after the game. This team's had so many injuries and has been relying on so many rookies and young players. It's really remarkable that they finished the season even close to the playoffs and with a winning record. So it it was kind of tough. It was really rough to go out the way we did, you know, giving up 134 points at home. But, uh, it's not it's not the biggest deal. We have two uh, lottery picks in the first round, uh, which is really nice to have after years of giving away picks or just having really low picks. And uh, the Clippers fan base, I think, is still pretty happy about the way the season went, though obviously a little disappointed. Yeah, definitely a lot of changeover with the Griffin trade, the Chris Paul trade over the offseason. Uh, we're going to get to a, a bit of that in a moment. But before we do, um, I, I know that there's a lot of teams participating in the Western Conference playoffs right now. You guys are on the outside looking in. With that being said, a lot of turnover is going to happen in the next three days between Denver, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, and the Pelicans. Uh, you mentioned off the air that that you guys are a Pelican at this point. Is that right? Yeah, I think that the Pelicans have had some similar injury troubles. You know, obviously, DeMarcus Cousins is 
has been out for months now, and Solomon Hill was out for a lot to start the year. There have been other injuries here and there. So I think Clippers fans kind of sympathize with teams that have also been hit by injuries. And also, I think the Pelicans are generally a, a pretty likable team. They're a team that, as you mentioned, hasn't had like a ton of success. So I think it's it's pretty easy for Clippers fans to get behind them. I don't know if we're gonna be out and out like cheering for you guys, but it would be it would be cool to see you guys make the playoffs. Hey, we'll take the win any way we can get it, cheering or <laughs> not. Uh, let's cover the injury report before we get into the semantics. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Doc Rivers confessed that he's been dealing with an ankle injury for over a month now. Lou Williams, of course, has been nursing the same thing in the past week. And Tobias Harris was said to tweak his ankle against San Antonio Spurs. In addition to that, Gallo, Teodosic, these guys have all been out of the lineup recently. What's your injury report like on Monday? Do you think all of these guys go? Do you think they hold out some of them? What do you think? I think that the guys who've been out for a while, so that's Gallinari and Tadosic, Doc said yesterday they're done for the season. Um, he said before the game that if they made the playoffs, there'd be reconsideration. Obviously, that's over now. Um, Lou Williams, I would say, is pretty unlikely to play. His ankle injury was apparently kind of bad, and he already has a contract locked up for the next few seasons, and it's with the Clippers. So there's really not that much point in him playing unless he really, really wants to play. Tobias Harris, I didn't actually even know about. It wouldn't surprise me, but I think he'll probably give it a go. And DJ said, uh, DJ said, Doc said that with DeAndre, it's really up to up to him. He's been toughing through this injury for so long, apparently. We just found out yesterday they were keeping it a secret from everybody, apparently. But it could be his last two games uh, in a Clippers uniform. It's, it's, I'd say it's not likely, but it's possible. And I suspect he plays in at least one of them. But it is possible he takes the Pelicans game off and plays against the Lakers. Uh, Doc did also say that he he's a fan of the integrity of the game, that he thinks that since everybody else has had to fight their way into the playoffs, the Pelicans should too. So I'd be pretty surprised if guys rested unless they were actually injured. So I'd say DJ and Tobias are, are likely to play. Lou, unlikely. Gallo, Dosich, and the rest of those guys are out. Very good. Talk a little bit more about DeAndre Jordan. Uh, it was it was well chronicled following the Saturday game that he was just like dis- disappointed, despondent. He kind of fell silent at the conclusion of the game, uh, sitting on the bench, just uh, a quiet guy, just sitting back and reflecting everything that he probably had flowing through his brain two years ago whenever he was locked up in a room with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, <laughs> only to see those guys head out of town. What do you think is going through his mind right now going into the offseason? Like you said, I think he's got that player option. So it's up to him whether or not he wants to come back. What do you think is circling through his brain? right now well I think probably some of it is just disappointment I think he he probably wishes he could continue that six-year streak of making the playoffs uh, make about seven years um, I think part of it is probably just trying to look forward and see where his future lies and how much of that has to do with happiness or basketball situation or monetary situation because he is a big opt-in for next year as you mentioned it's like around 24 million I believe which is a lot of money uh, as good as he is, he is not getting that on the open market. And it's just tough because of the way the salary cap has kind of not jumped as much as people thought. There really isn't that much room. So he and his agent have to know the market better than we do, but there really doesn't seem to be that great a market out there for him. And I do know that a few weeks ago, I believe, that the Clippers ran a video asking, uh, what does the Clippers mean to you in one word? And a lot of guys were like, uh, job or fun or whatever. And DJ said home. So, um, you know, he's been here his entire career. There were there have been some mumblings that um, he really is not a fan of free agency after what happened last time and that he doesn't really want to go through the whole uh, dog and pony show again. So 
I think it's quite possible he opts in and then he tries to get something worked out with the Clippers. It's also very possible he leaves, but I think he just has to be just thinking about his future and what he wants to do as his career starts to wind down a little bit. What an incredible scenario following that turn of events uh, just two or three years ago with Mark Cuban supposedly driving around town trying to get a hold of him, locked inside a house, and the way that it's all transpired from there. Uh, one guy we haven't spoken about yet or briefly have touched upon was Doc Rivers and where he stands in all of this. You mentioned that he's probably not going to want to lay down and just let the Pelicans have this one. He believes in the integrity of the game and and just making sure that everybody has to earn their place in this tough Western Conference in the playoff seating. He's 42-38 and 38 this year. The uh, the Clippers have kind of fallen apart lately with uh, two losses to the Pacers as well as the Blazers and the Nuggets, but these are good teams. The Clippers have been playing pretty good basketball with the exception of uh, last night's matchup. Uh, they beat the Spurs just a couple of days ago. Talk about how the team has been playing in, the, in recent weeks. I think the team has been playing about as well as could be expected of them, given all the injuries they've taken and how many minutes some of their key guys have played. Lou Williams, for example, has clearly just is not quite the same player he was two months ago. He's still been very good. I mean, he scored 14 points in the third quarter um, just yesterday against the Nuggets, and he had a bunch in the fourth quarter against the Spurs to close them out. But compared to his December and January, he's it's not been quite the same in the past couple months. He's never played this many minutes before in this many games. For all the talk of him being sixth man, and he will be sixth man of the year, um, he's been playing starters minutes and he's never really had to do that for super extended stretches before. He's clearly tired. DeAndre Jordan has played big minutes before, but it's the end of a season. He's been working on this ankle injury. He's tired. Same with Tobias. These guys have been carrying the weight of the team for a couple months now, and they're, they're just gassed really. And the offense has been pretty good. I think when you look at their scores against all these teams, they're usually well, into the 100s uh, with Utah being a notable exception against a really good defense. And then also against Portland when they were really tired at the end of a long trip. But for the most part, they've been scoring well. The offense isn't necessarily pretty, but it's, it's effective. The problem really is just their defense. DeAndre is the only guy even close to like a plus defender out there right now. And he can't do it alone. And he's tired and injured. And without Pat Beverly and Avery Bradley and to a lesser extent, Danilo Gallinari, they just do not have enough veteran uh, defensive difference makers, really. And they're just bleeding points on that, on that end. Their scheme is all wrong. They're, they can't communicate at all. It's, it's really bad. Um, if a team can't score 105 or 110 points in the Clippers, they're either having a really off night or they're really not good offensively. All right, so we'll expect a lot of scoring. Uh, just yeah. for some numbers, the, the Clippers are ninth in points per game, 22nd in opponent's points per game. They're 7th in pace, 7th in offensive rating, 18th in defensive rating. So going to be a lot of quick movement, a lot of scoring in this one. They're 3rd in points in the paint. You'd have to think that DeAndre Jordan uh, probably attributes a lot to that. 7th in rebounds. They're 30th in fast break points, so the Pelicans like to get out in transition. That's a place where they can take advantage. Mm -hmm. And the Clippers uh, draw a lot of fouls, 25.5. Uh, shots per game they're eighth in offensive rebounding percentage they do turn the ball over their 20th and uh they create a lot of turnovers as well let's get into some of the guys who are going to be participating in this contest if guys like lou williams uh can't go as well as Teodosic and galinari tyrone wallace cj williamson darius thornwell a lot of these guys have been getting heavy minutes and might get even more in this matchup tyrone wallace has been starting for us can you tell us a bit about him tyrone wallace has been really really good 
I think that if he'd played most of the season with the Clippers instead of around 30 games, he would be on an all-rookie team. All-rookie second, admittedly, but he's just he is a very heady player. Uh, in the in the locker room yesterday, off the record, uh, players were comparing his game a little bit to Will Barton in terms of his being a little bit herky-jerky with the basketball. I don't necessarily see that. Barton's a lot more explosive um, as an athlete. But Wallace is just a very good overall basketball player. He can really – he's not super quick and doesn't have great handles, but he just gets to his spots really nicely. He's tall and he's long, and he's pretty decisive. So he gets into the paint well, and he can – finish with either hand around the basket really nice uh score around the basket very little jump shot he has a little turnaround from like 10 feet that's that's nice but three point and and longer twos are just basically off off the question um unless he's wide wide open his defensive instincts are there he's again he's long he's young he's pretty quick but he can make some rotation errors. Uh, he he doubles guys unnecessarily sometimes, leaving his man open. Um, he's a, he's a pretty good passer. He's just a really interesting player. The Clippers have been using him at point guard, shooting guard, and small forward because he has a little bit of each of those skills. And right now, instead of being like a tweener, which is what he probably would have been called five or ten years ago, he's kind of just a combo player who can do a little bit of everything and it's just been really helpful for the Clippers. The Clippers have been better when he's been on the court. And to be honest, a lot of Clippers fans think one of the reasons the Clippers won't make the playoffs is that for a lot of the month of March, Wallace was in the G League but because his two-way contract had run up and the Clippers did not want to sign him to a full-length deal for a few reasons that we're probably not sure of but can guess at. And his absence really, really was felt strongly. Um, he's probably going to get even bigger minutes tomorrow. I'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't scoring double figures with, you know, a few rebounds, a few assists, a couple of steals. You'll, you will notice him playing. All right. Sorry for the technical difficulties, Robert. Let's get back to, you were talking about uh, Tyrone Wallace. Let's talk a little bit about CJ Williams and Sundarius Thornwell. We're going to see a bit of them probably in an expanded role. Can you tell us about them? Yeah. So Sundarius Thornwell was the Clippers second, uh, second round draft pick last year. He is more of a defensive player. His offensive game is pretty raw right now. He can't really shoot. His his handle is a little sloppy. Um, he's a solid finisher on the basket, but really he's a guy who brings energy and defense, and he's he's done that pretty well this year. He makes some rookie mistakes, especially fouling um, three-point shooters when on their jump shots, but he's he's provided real minutes for the Clippers this year, and his energy has has been nice to have off the bench. C.J. Williams is a, a much older rookie. He was the Clippers' two-way player, and uh, his contract also ran out of days in, I believe, February, and he spent a couple months down in the G League also rehabbing from an ankle injury, and then he came back a week or two ago. He is just kind of what I think about him as just a very competent NBA end-of-the-bench player. He knows where to be on defense. He can hit threes if left open. He can make nice little passes, but his overall game is kind of limited. He's not super athletic. He doesn't have a, a big offensive repertoire, though he's shown some some surprising little post turnarounds and stuff. But he's just a nice player. I think of him as like a perfect 11th or 12th man to have on your bench to play, you know, 50 or 60 games a year when guys are injured. Uh, he's They're both kind of shooting guard small forwards, so they overlap a little bit. But they're both 
nice complementary pieces. I wouldn't be worried about either of them exactly going off and scoring 20 points or controlling the game or anything, but they'll probably make some nice defensive plays and maybe hit a three or dunk and transition here or there. All right, guys, thanks for sticking with me. I really want to apologize uh, for the technical difficulties here. Thank you so much to Robert Flom, who has been so patient with me. Uh, just having some Wi-Fi issues at work during a lunch break, so I definitely for sure will not try this again. Uh, just to give you guys a brief recap of the Warriors game last night, we've got a couple of questions, and I just want to address some of those. Thank you guys for writing in. CW says, does Meritage sit out versus the Clippers if his ankle is sore? Also, does Solo and Crawford get more minutes to get them ready for the playoffs? I definitely think no one is going to rest if they're able to play. This is still a critical win. The Pelicans have to win this one. You, there's no telling what could happen in the Western Conference. Everybody controls their own destiny at this given point in time. The Pelicans cannot afford to lose this one. If it takes 40 minutes from Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, they're going to play 40 minutes. They need every inch of firepower. We've seen teams like, like the Dallas Mavericks, like the Memphis Grizzlies upset Western Conference playoff uh, teams. The Atlanta Hawks got a stunning victory just last week. So it's going to be all hands on deck until until the season ends at this point. Uh, Miritich is going to play his usual workload. If he can go, he will go. We saw him bounce back from that second quarter injury. He came in uh, first set right out of the gate in halftime. He went right to work, got a steal, got a three-pointer. So I think he's going to give it a go. I think he's going to play. Uh, as far as Jordan Crawford and Solo go, Solo's definitely going to get some minutes. It, it's very clear that Alvin Gentry wants him to be involved. He wants him to be part of this eight-man rotation. He wants him to give some of the defense that he gave last season. Last season, he did a very admirable job of slowing down guys like, like Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And this year, he just doesn't have it yet. He doesn't have the lateral quickness. He doesn't have the speed that he needs. And he certainly doesn't have the offensive tools. Uh, not that he had them at all last year but he did have that 36 performance against the Houston Rockets. The Pelicans are hoping that they can discover a bit of that, uh, that he can at least set up an offense and be useful in a corner somewhere, so he will definitely get some run. As far as Jordan Crawford goes, I wouldn't expect to see him unless the Pelicans have a comfortable lead at some point late in the second or third quarter. We saw uh, just yesterday against the Warriors that Gentry's going to stick with an eight-man rotation at this point. He might bring somebody like an Ian Clark off the bench if Clark is ready to go. He he tested it on Saturday, and he wasn't comfortable playing, uh, but we're right around that five-day threshold right now. I think this will be day four, so there is a chance that Ian Clark should be ready to go for this one, and if he is, I wouldn't be surprised if he actually got some run. Uh, so thank you for CW to that. Also, some great kudos to Alvin Gentry, some questions about his performance in this one. Early on, I was a bit critical of some of the defensive matchups, putting Rajon Rondo on Quinn Cook. Uh, Rajon Rondo just doesn't have the, the, the foot speed at this point. He, he doesn't fight over screens the way that he should against guys guys like Quinn Cook with the quick trigger, guys who like to attack the baseline. But we saw in the second quarter when Rajon Rondo came back in, Alvin Gentry made a nice adjustment. I don't know if it was him or the players, but moving Etwan Moore over to Quinn Cook and putting Rajon uh, Rondo over uh, non-threatening scorers and shooters like Andre Iguodala, like Draymond Green, uh, using a bit more of his body to keep those uh, offensive players out of the paint so that they were forced to become jump shooters. And that allowed him to play a little bit of free safety. And then, of course, he had that critical turnover against Kevin Durant in the fourth quarter, as well as Drew Holiday. Those guys just locked down at their respective positions late. Uh, 
One of the things that uh, Golden State asked about, uh, or there's a question uh, regarding Golden State's uh, comments in the locker room post-game, was that they tried too hard in this one. This is a stark contrast to Steve Kerr's comments about Thursday night's loss to the Pacers, where he complained about the lack of care. Lack of caring is what he specifically said. And this one, they they thought that they pushed a little bit too hard. Now, this one, I I don't want to belittle this win at all. This one was critical. It's against the best team in the Western Conference, with or without Steph Curry. There's an MVP on the floor. There's three all-stars on the floor. These guys know how to win. They know how to close out. With that being said, could these guys have played a few more minutes? Yeah, they're right about their 35-36 minute threshold. The Pelicans were well into their offensive, uh, their playoff sets, their playoff rotations. So the Pelicans were going balls to the wall in this one, and the Warriors were giving their best regular season punch. Let's be clear about that. The Pelicans gave their best playoff punch, and the Warriors were giving their best regular season punch. So should we see the Warriors in the first round Uh, It's going to be a bit more difficult than this game was, although we certainly got Kevin Durant's best punch, scoring 41 points. The the guy was near unstoppable. Drew Holiday was matched up against him for the bulk of this one, and it was a bit confusing to me, given that Anthony Davis has the length and has the athleticism to match up with with Kevin Durant, but they clearly wanted him in the paint. They wanted him rim-protecting. They wanted him rebounding, and uh, now after the fact, you can't say that it was a bad move because the Pelicans did a pretty admirable job of limiting everybody else around the floor and letting Kevin Durant do what Kevin Durant does and just spacing the floor as best they could defensively, creating turnovers, a lot of turnovers in this one. They created 20 of them. Uh, Both Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday combined for 11 blocks and steals. So you can't really criticize the game plan too much. You have to give a nod of confidence to Alvin Gentry, his entire staff, Darren Ehrman, Chris Finch. They had a great game plan going into this one, and they executed. The Pelicans led for the majority of the game. Uh, Early on in the fourth quarter was the only place that they really trailed, and they took advantage when Kevin Durant was off the court in the final six minutes of the fourth quarter. They did what they needed to do. They got the win. You can't give enough kudos to Nikola Meritich in this one ever since shaving his beard whatever confidence that razor gave him we need to just keep it going uh, throughout the remainder of the season because he's just been a different player after shooting five of 11 from three-point range just the other night now he shot six uh, three-pointers matching his season high with the Pelicans which I believe was against the Dallas Mavericks somewhere around March 4th uh, early on in his Pelicans tenure so have to keep getting this brand of basketball from him. Drew Holiday playing like an all-star. Rajon Rondo, I guess we're getting a glimpse of playoff Rondo, and I tell you what, I don't hate it. (laughs) I like what he does. I like the slippery things he does. Uh, You know, just matching up with Kevin Durant, poking that ball away, starting the fast break. I kind of clenched my fists at that point because I think there was about 25 seconds left on the game clock, and the Pelicans had an opportunity to run the clock down to about six or seven seconds remaining in regulation. They had a two-point lead at the time, but each one more jacked up that, I want to say it was a 15-footer, and he drilled it, so it gave the Pelicans the distance that they needed, but man, if he had missed that shot, uh, but good for them. Uh, great all-around win. Uh, the the, like we, we discussed, the changing of the rotations in the second quarter defensively obviously worked. Uh, whatever they were doing to Clay Thompson, they limited him, didn't let him go off, didn't let him explode, kept Draymond Green very quiet in this one. Nick uh, Swaggy P, Quinn Cook was, was amazing. I think he scored about 21 points, but 15 of those came in the first quarter, so whatever adjustments they made, it all worked. And yeah, this is a great time to be a Pelicans fan, you guys. Uh, 
Already, this is the most wins the Pelicans have ever had in the Anthony Davis era. They're at 46. They had 45 just two years ago. And they have every bit of confidence that they can beat the Los Angeles Clippers, specifically with Lou Williams out of this one. There's no reason the Pelicans shouldn't not only be able to win this one, but get a bit of rest. Just keep Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday somewhere between 32 and 35 minutes before that big uh, penultimate matchup with the Spurs again, uh, just matching uh, the end of the season, just two to three years ago, 2014-15 season, so that'll be three years ago now. So great time to be a Pelicans fans. Just think of what these guys have been through this year, uh, dating back to July with the limited amount of resources that they had, salary cap, uh, the national media types talking about how Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins weren't going to be enough. DeMarcus goes down. Dell Demps gets this grand trade, Omar Ashik for Nikola Meritich, and that's not even the most important part of the trade, although it was big getting Meritich. Being able to unload guys like Tony Allen and Jameer Nelson, which created roster space for these role players that have been so instrumental to some of the wins in this two-month stretch. Guys like Emeka Okafor and guys like DeAndre Liggins and guys like Jordan Crawford who just buys a couple extra minutes rest. Just these bodies that can fill some some floor time has been so instrumental to this run. So it's really been impressive. The guys have been great. Anthony Davis says it's fun again. That's something you obviously want to hear from your star with only two years remaining on his contract. Uh, just things could not be better in Pelicans Nation right now. So make sure you show up on Wednesday night at the Smoothie King Center for that matchup the Spurs will obviously all be watching on Monday. We're all confident that they're going to walk out with the victory. These Pelicans, I feel like we can trust them at this point of the season. That that four-game losing streak that they went on last week was against guys also fighting for their respective playoff lives, fighting against great teams in Houston and Portland and Cleveland and Oklahoma City. So against the Clippers, a team that the Pelicans should beat, you have to expect they walk away with the victory. Even the Clippers fans want us to win this one. Okay, I'm kind of monologuing at this point, so I'm going to wrap it up. Once again, so sorry for the technical difficulties. Thank you so much. Make sure you guys follow him at Richie Flom. That's Robert Flom. He is the editor to Clippers SB Nation. So make sure you give those guys a follow. Uh, it's at Richie Homie Flom. And that's Richie, I-E, Homie, I-E, Flom. Thank you so much to him for participating in this. Uh, make sure you guys go over to thebirdrights.com. Check out some of Ali's latest work. He's got the recap up for you. And I expect he's probably going to have something else for us today. We'll have the podcast up for you guys on Monday. It's going to be a wild ride. It's going to be a wild ride. Make sure you get your tickets. Playoff tickets are now on sale, you guys. So for now, you have been listening to the Bird Calls. I'm Preston Ellis, thrilled to walk out with this victory, and hopefully we'll keep it rolling. We'll talk to you guys soon. Make sure you send your questions to me for our next podcast. It'll probably come out Tuesday morning, where we will be previewing with J.R. Wilco, our final game of the regular season with the San Antonio Spurs, with Pounding the Rocks editor, J.R. Wilco, our friend. I think this will be his fourth appearance, so glad to have him back on. He's always a great interview, and we'll have Ali and Kevin on Tuesday as well. For now... I'm Preston. Let's go, pals. You have been listening to The Bird Calls. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, do us one more favor. Go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate our podcast today. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. 
That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.